The Optometry Talks podcast series is brought to you by Optometry New South Wales ACT, your peak professional body. Welcome to series two, episode two of Optometry Talks, how to balance family and career without losing your mind. I'm Audrey Malloy, optometrist and strategic communications manager at Optometry New South Wales ACT. And today I'm joined once again by psychologist and keynote speaker, Dr. Rachel Clements. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you very much. Now, Rachel is a psychologist with a bachelor's degree from ANU and a master's from the University of Western Australia. She is the co-founder of Centre for Corporate Health, where she is director of psychological services. And Rachel is a key presenter at national and international conferences in the areas of occupational stress, intervention, treatment and prevention. She's frequently asked for comment by media organisations in areas such as workplace stress, resilience building and mental health and was a panellist on the Are You OK Day Conversation Think Tank. We recently featured Rachel on our podcast, Supporting Mental Health in Me and My Patients. But today, we're going to focus specifically on how best to look after your mental health when stepping away from work and how to balance home life and work, particularly when starting a family. Rachel, the optometry profession has seen a transition over the past few decades from predominantly male to predominantly female, and many of our members now take a career break to start a family. The decision to temporarily step back from work to look after your family can take some time to adjust to. What are some ways that you can proactively look after your mental health during this time? I think that's a really good question because I see a lot of professional women struggle with this transition from work into to being a mum. And I think sometimes why they struggle is also due to those personality characteristics that do make them so good at their jobs. So they can have such a high achievement drive to be get out there and you know, driving the work. They can be very perfectionistic to be able to do such a great job in their, in their profession. They often have a very high need for control and um, often highly intelligent as well. So I see a lot of women struggle, particularly when they do have quite a lot of those personality styles because having a baby <laughs> can, can definitely challenge some of those personality characteristics. So I think just giving people some time out to realise that this might be challenging for me if I'm used to you know, achieving a lot during the day being in control of everything that I do during the day, having my work life ordered and scheduled. So I think just allowing yourself to have a mindset change because I don't think a lot of women expect themselves to have that mindset change. It's just allowing yourself to have, okay, this this is going to be different now and coming to terms with that and processing that a little bit. But still there's a lot, there's a lot of good things that you can do to be able to really keep your well-being on track when you're making that transition. So some of those is, I know it's hard, but getting that regular sleep routine. So trying to rest when you can. I think that if you can get enough sleep, even if it's broken up in various intervals, you enhance your ability to cope with things. It's quite challenging to feel like you're on top of things if your sleep routine is or not getting enough sleep. That can kind of really compound the issues. Uh, sometimes it is a time when women feel very isolated and very alone, so staying connected to people and initiating those, those contacts as well, even if you don't feel like it, even if you don't feel as if you look your best or you're absolutely exhausted, staying connected can be very, very good. When we are connecting with people, we are releasing oxytocin in the brain. Oxytocin gives us 
a change in our mindset. We can cope with this. I can handle it. I can come through this time. I'm not alone. I'm not the only one. So that's actually that connectedness is really important because it changes our neurochemistry in our brain. Um, meet your needs for intelligence. So if you do have high intellectual needs, um, we've got a staff member off work at the moment and now she's at the four-month mark of being off with, with a baby. She's saying, are there some little things that I can do from home? Are there some little fact sheets that I can write? Or I'm listening to podcasts or I'm just doing little professional development things that I maybe didn't have time to do. So feeling as if I'm still using my brain in some way, even if it's in a much smaller capacity, is actually quite good to keep, you know, women feeling as if they're kind of still, still stimulated. Um, ask for help when you need it. And I think that that's a huge one, particularly for, for females who have been very perfectionistic and high achieving and being able to do things in a very self-reliant manner. Suddenly when you're thrown into this whirlwind of a very different life, a lot of people don't feel as if they can ask for help from their support crew. So it's one thing having your support crew there in the background, but being asked, you know, being able to ask for that assistance when you need it, especially if you start to feel like you're feeling overwhelmed and you're having a bit of a tough day. And relaxing your expectations, I think, is a big one. Just adjusting your expectations. And just because you're not in a you know, career mode at the moment doesn't mean that what you're doing now, you're raising a little human being, <laughs> which is work, and it's incredibly valuable and worthwhile and, and viewing it as that. You use the word whirlwind there, and I think that the time following the birth of your child can feel like a whirlwind. It certainly did for me. So you're learning how to look after your newborn and you're flooded with visitors and happy messages. But it's also a time when you can you may not be feeling the positive feelings or connections that you expected to feel. So when can postnatal depression start and what are some of the warning signs? Yes, postnatal depression is a serious illness and it does affect one in five expecting mums or new mums. Uh, and as we know, the birth of a baby, as we were just mentioning, can trigger a whole lot of powerful emotions. So people might find themselves in the midst of excitement and joy one minute to fear and anxiety and overwhelm to the next minute. So it is like a, a bit of an emotional roller coaster. And also, people might not expect to feel depressed. People might not expect to feel anxious at this time of what is often portrayed as positivity and, and excitement. Uh, so. Most new mums do go through a period of, you know, very common term, the baby blues, and often it lasts a couple of weeks and it's very normal. But people go through periods where they have mood swings, they might feel as if they're crying more often, anxiety, um, difficulty sleeping. It usually begins within about the first three to five days after having the baby and may last for a couple of weeks. So all that's very, very normal. So a clue is, if you're still feeling like that and it's going over that time period, over that two-week period, and it's, it's lasting a little bit longer and you're not feeling so great, it could be moving into that postnatal depression. So some of those little early warning signs for postnatal depression are depressed or low mood, uh, mood swings, excessive crying, feeling as if you're not bonding with your baby, social withdrawal, keep it to yourself, not wanting to see friends and family. Uh, appetite changes, eating eating more or losing or, or, or not lo not eating at all, maybe insomnia or actually sometimes sleeping too much, uh, feeling overwhelmed, uh, reduced interest in things, feeling like you're not a good mother and blaming oneself, feeling a sense of hopelessness, worthlessness, guilt, inadequacy, 
Um, often I see postnatal depression for professional women playing out as postnatal anxiety, losing a lot of confidence, um, suddenly feeling as if they're not they're not doing a great job, even thoughts of harming oneself or your baby are very common uh, signs of postnatal depression. Um, are there particular circumstances when postnatal depression is more common, like a difficult birth or a lack of supporting family around? Many of our members are expats and they won't have access to the parents or extended family for support. Does that all play into it? It does, yeah. I mean, there, there are several risk factors and anyone that's going through this, you know, at the hospitals now, they ask, they have their checklist that they would go through. So it might be, have you had a period of mental health issues before? That may make somebody more vulnerable or it may not. Um, they, people look a lot at um, social support networks. So whilst I might not have my family here, I might have a great friend group so looking at the, the the strength of support networks challenging births um, can also make people kind of more predisposed personality characteristics that we spoke about before the perfectionism high achievement drive um, high need for control can make people more vulnerable to the experience of postnatal depression as well I also see postnatal depression, and this is an interesting one for professional women. Some women are off on their parental leave for six months or 12 months and no sign of postnatal depression. We almost always see an attending to onset around the five to six month mark of someone's return to work. So that's a very vulnerable time for professional women. So they might have been through this period where it's enjoyed being off work and uh, find it more challenging on the five to six month mark when they're back at work. And is that because they're, they feel sort of torn between the domestic and the work responsibilities and they're leaving the kids at daycare, the house is a mess, they need time off for a school assembly and they feel like they're they're sort of doing nothing well? Is that? Yes. Is that... yes. I think that I think a lot of uh, people would feel like they're spreading themselves very thin across a variety of those different life areas. And if I'm quite perfectionistic and high achieving, I'm not. I'm already going to be falling short. And probably I'm going to do a lot of social comparison. I'm going to look at people that I think have it all together. They probably don't. <laughs> but I think that they've got it all together. And I'm going to compare myself to them and I'm going to kind of come off second best. But I also think it's also to do with the workplace support too okay. at that time. We're quite good at onboarding people when they're coming back to work after parental leave, often colleagues. And we've got very good support around people. We're checking in. We're asking them how they're going. But around the five to six month mark, what I tend to see is it's kind of business as usual. You're back in your job. You're busy. You're doing a high-performing, high-achieving job. And we forget the check-in. So I'm always going on about check-in on women around that time, even if you think that they are okay. They can be very good at hiding and masking. So what do what does the woman herself actually do? So you think you're experiencing postnatal depression either a month or two after you've had the baby or even a few months after you've gone back to work. What strategies can they use themselves to help overcome this? I think firstly, again, having the self-awareness because with professional women, very often I have seen women where it's playing out much more as postnatal anxiety. I've lost my confidence. I've been off work for 12 months. I don't feel as if I belong. I feel like my professional skills are not as up to scratch. I feel like I'm not doing anything right. So a lot of women don't connect with it. I've got insomnia. I can't sleep at night. So a lot of women don't actually realise that they have postnatal depression because it's playing out as more postnatal anxiety, so that's the first thing, is realising that if you're feeling anxious and keyed up and worried a lot of that time, that can also be signs 
of it. I would recommend seeking assistance early on with, with postnatal depression, get onto it early, get that support, and there are a variety of different organisations that set up as specialists in this space. So, for example, PANDA is the Perinatal Anxiety and Development and Depression Australia, which supports men, women, and families in this space. And is that a hotline you can call? Yeah, that's a hotline you can call. And the good thing is it's not just for women, it's also for men too. Ah. Uh, and, and families as well, so they specialise in that. The Australian Psychological Society, you can ring up and say, I would like to see a specialist psychologist that just specialises in postnatal depression, and you can get a list of, of people to do that. So I would be saying, seek professional assistance early on. Rachel, what other strategies um, do you think can be used if you're experiencing postnatal depression? I think there's quite a few strategies that you can do to keep your wellbeing on track. Firstly, is acknowledging the value of what you're doing. I have a lot of women that say to me, I've spent the whole day really busy, I'm really tired, but I haven't done anything. So I think actually just keeping, even writing it down and keeping a list on what you actually have got through that day or what you have done that day, because a lot of professional women focus on what I haven't done, what I couldn't do, uh, what I haven't done well. Whereas if we can flip that around and almost have that gratitude, this is what I'm, this is actually what I have done and putting some, associating a lot of value to that because it is a very, very valuable time in that way. Um, being able to set daily goals and they might be small goals. It might just be today I am going to have a shower, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have a cup of tea at some point and I'm going to get out in the sunshine. So even if you can just get outside and get fresh air with baby, even if it's only for half an hour, just actually research on, you can start to feel better even if you're just walking around in the street and coming into contact with people and not actually even speaking to them, but you can start to release endorphins just by being around people. Mm -hmm. So making an effort to get out. I always think if you can get dressed, you start to feel better. If you kind of take care of yourself and, and um, getting dressed um, and setting that little daily routine. Um, being able to have a little bit of a morning routine, even if it's when the baby's sleeping, if you want to rest and you're tired, give yourself permission to rest. Don't worry about the housework. Like you might have to say no to some things and adjust those expectations around. I might not be able to have a three-course meal prepared for tonight, but what I'm going to do is rest when the baby sleeps. So I might, you know, take those opportunities. It can be just doing five minutes of breathing or mindfulness. It can be um, trying to go for a walk. Uh, exercise is so important in keeping our well-being on track, even though you might not feel like you want to jog around the park or something, but just even getting out for a walk. Even for, with the pram. Even with the pram, yeah, 15 yeah. to 20 minutes. And of course, the importance of staying connected with people um, is really important to be able to do as well. Those goals are, I remember when I had my first child, my neighbour across the road saying to me, every day you need to have a shower, make your bed and yeah. put on a wash. Yeah. And I never forgot it and I really yeah. made sure I did those things and then I felt, right, I'm on yeah. top of things now and yeah. I felt good. Yeah, and that's that thing that's around, especially for professional women that are so used to having their professional day under control, mm. super planned and organised, I've got my diary, I've got my appointments and everything, my schedule runs accordingly. Looking at where you can exert some element's personal control because obviously having a baby, you don't actually have a lot of control over their schedule. Yeah. <laughs> but grabbing the little bits of personal control you do have, if it's having a shower, if it's making sure you get dressed, whatever it is, and then at the end of the day it might be, I have done those things. Mm -hmm. And also just knowing that routines can you know, change and we've got to be very good at just constantly shifting our expectations. 
So I think you know what you're saying really is that this is another skill set that a, that a professional woman can work towards. It's like a competency that they can build, yeah. like any other competency, by prioritizing it, investing in it, making the effort to build up these skills, and that would stand to them. And it's probably the most important competency that they need at this stage of their lives. Yes, absolutely. And I think that that's a nice way to put it is that it's very much a competency to get good at because a lot of women particularly will put themselves last, they'll put their own mental health last, they'll serve the needs of everybody else and then wonder why they're running on empty. Mm. So absolutely, it's so important to prioritise wellbeing and to realise it's a conscious competency I've got to get good at at this time in my life because that forms the foundations of everything else I need to do. Okay, and so is it true that men can also experience postnatal depression? Yes, one in 10 expecting dads or new dads experience a form of postnatal depression. It's not the same type of postnatal depression that a female would experience. We call it more of a adjustment depression uh, that onsets. And usually for this one, we often see it for men onsetting around the three to five month mark after the birth of the child. And when you think about it at that time, men are often the primary breadwinner. They are actually just as sleep deprived often a lot of the time. They're actually not getting a lot of support as well, and they're in their high-performing, high-achieving, busy job. And I always think it's very interesting because when there has been the birth of the baby in the family and we're checking in on the male, we tend to ask about, how's the baby? How's everything at home? How's your personal life going? We're never stopping and thinking, and how are you? How are you going? This has been a big life change. How are you going? And then often, you know, they may have been higher on the priority list in the family, and now they they often feel a little bit ignored. Yeah, <laughs> they've been reprioritized. So that can be an adjustment in relationships too. Do you think that they, that the men, the fathers, also have that feeling of sort of being all things to all people and doing nothing well? Do they are they better able to compartmentalize in general, or do they also feel stretched between their home and their work responsibilities? I, I think men do feel more. They do also feel stretched, and especially when the tiredness kicks in. I mean, the tiredness and the fatigue, and if that exhaustion does kick in for men as well. However, I do think it depends on what, I mean, a lot of men now are very involved in the, in the childcare, in the caring for the baby. So a lot of men will take parental leave now, so they can be just as impacted as females. I do think if men for a time are the primary breadwinner, they are able to compartmentalise a little bit. But then I think their roles are also challenging because they get home, they've had a huge day in often a highly stressful, busy role, they get home and they're handed the baby. I've had a really tough day, I need to go and get some fresh air, I need to get out of the house, here's a baby. So that type of thing can play on men and start to chip away at men's wellbeing as well by the time. Um, you mentioned isolation earlier, that you can feel um, you know, isolated after you've had a baby. So do you have any suggestions on how to reduce these feelings of isolation? Um, particularly if you feel like you'd like to return to your career, you've had a break and you'd like to return because you're feeling, um, as you said, maybe um, anxious or professionally anxious or, or isolated. Yes, I think it's about, I think sometimes it is around, for, for a while there, there are a lot of losses. You know, when people are transitioning from work into, into, into rear, to, to raising, raising a baby and caring for a newborn, 
a lot of women feel a loss of financial independence. They do feel a loss of confidence. They do feel a loss of their social connectedness. So I think sometimes if there is a partner involved, it's about looking at those losses and what's temporary, what's temporary loss and how can we kind of look at this together? What are some things that if I'm feeling like I've lost a little bit of time for myself, can I grab you know, a little bit of time on a weekend or what have you. So kind of looking together as a team or bringing my support crew in to fulfil some of those things. So my whole life isn't permanently lost yeah. and it's not lost forever. It is temporary losses. But I think sometimes allowing oneself to grieve those losses too, yeah. you know, is quite important and, and adjusting to those, you know, together as a bit of a team. I think when women are ready to come back to work, and I always think for professional women, a lot of professional women do like to be included in work things. So if there is a morning tea happening, if there is a special day happening, just because I'm on parental leave doesn't mean I don't want to be included. Women love to be you know, included. So I'm always thinking of look for opportunities to bring women back and stay connected. Mm-hmm. And it may be, you know, I might pop in and visit my colleagues um, once a month or just to keep connected. There may be things that women can do from home as well, just to stay connected. A lot of women do want to to keep um, keep their intellectual power going and they sometimes find the adjustment from being processing a lot of highly intellectual information to changing nappies every day. They can find that that adjustment on their prefrontal cortex, that load, actually is anxiety provoking sometimes to a lot of women when they feel as if they're not using their brain. Um, And I always recommend doing some really great onboarding with people when they're coming back. So looking at, okay, so how have things changed for you? What can you do? What can't you do? What's What's realistic? Because what I see is when women are returning to work, and particularly perfectionistic, high achieving women, they try to do it all and then they become exhausted. Yeah. And then they get sick and then they get run down and then they are prone to mental health issues because they try to do it all and there's no period of time to say to oneself, okay, my life is different now. This is what realistically I can do for now. Might not be a permanent, not a permanent state, but for the next six months or the next 12 months, this is what I can do and this is what I can't do. And that ability to say no to some things mm-hmm. is really important because I can't do everything I used to do but just even being involved in those discussions of resetting those expectations yeah and allowing yourself to do it without feeling guilty because a lot of professional women just kind of don't allow themselves to do that they try just to do everything like their life hasn't changed and then they feel guilty and those that negative emotion chips away slowly over time until one feels sometimes resentful Mm. I what my previous talk that we've put on for optometrists around well well being, the, the speaker said you can have it all. You just mm. can't have it all together. I'm right so there. you know, yeah. all at the same time. Yeah. So you can have your great career. Yes, you can have your family. Yes, you can have your fitness. And but yes. it, you may not have all of those balls in the air at the same time. Yes. that really stayed with me as a lawyer yes. and, and you know as a professional that you're not necessarily going to be firing on all those things really yeah. well together. Yeah. Readjustment of expectations is so important. And and I think also if you're just able to do that one thing, so I always say to women, work out how do you best put the oxygen mask on yourself. So a lot of women are so focused on their baby, their family and their work at this time, particularly when they're going back to work, they don't put the oxygen mask on themselves. So they can run on empty very, very quickly. So it's almost, I think, for women having an absolute mindset change around it is actually essential to be a good mum, to be a good, um, to be good at my job, 
to be good at my profession and actually to enjoy this journey, mm. it's essential to factor myself in. Yeah, and a lot of women don't have that mindset yet. I'm kind of expecting to do everything, but I'm going to not put the oxygen mask on myself, so I'm going to run on empty very quickly, and then suddenly I'm not at my best. Mm. So I always say to women, being in your best, it is okay to have that little bit of time to yourself. So if you're not negotiable, it is. I always say to women, work out what your not negotiable is. If it is, I need to go for a run uh, every three days or something for 20 minutes, because then if I run, I can get into a regular sleep pattern, I might drink less alcohol, I might be less grumpy, then I have less coffee, and then it goes around. Yeah, it has a knock-on effect. So, And it just takes one well-being strategy to create what we call the upward spiral. And that can be the difference between getting into the downward spiral that we often see. So work out what your one non-negotiable is Mm -hmm. and using your support crew to achieve it. Um, yeah, I, I think that's really excellent advice and um, I haven't heard the upward spiral really, you know, most people talk about the downward spiral but the, the upward spiral is so important. I think talking to my professional friends and professionals within the organisation, money tends not to be so much of an issue because often both parents work in this good income stream but they're not spending any money on babysitters yes. and they, 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 could, yeah. they could easily buy some time either for them or their partner or them by themselves to do the run or the gym or yes. whatever. They yes. don't. They're inclined to they try and do it all themselves. They do because they're so used to being self-reliant. Yeah. And that's a whole thing for professional women is I'm self-reliant, I'm a good achiever, I'm good at doing this. So being self-reliant can get us into trouble sometimes yes. in these situations when we're going through a life transition like that is that it's hard to be self-reliant. Sometimes you are going to have some days where you're not feeling great and you might want to reach out to your support crew because actually people want to help you. And that's the other thing. People actually feel blown away and they feel honoured that, oh, you trust me with your baby. You actually are asking me for assistance. I'm actually honoured to do that. So most people actually do want to help. And it's interesting that you mentioned about the financial thing because I've certainly had friends say, I could get a babysitter, but suddenly going to a move, movies is going to cost me $150. I know, it's not going to it makes you feel terrific. Exactly. I'm like, don't worry, but you've got to actually adjust your expectations about, but what is that worth in other ways? Yeah, cheaper than a psychologist. That's right. What's it worth in other ways in terms of your relationship or positive emotion or just having a break? You will be better for it. Mm. If you can afford it, you'll be better for it. Excellent. Um, well, I think that that's worked through most of my questions. Um, I'd like to thank you for an excellent discussion on how to balance family and career without losing your mind. And if you missed our previous podcast with Rachel on um, supporting mental health and me and my patients, you can find it on our podcast page on optometry.org.au. We will have more talks on well-being and finding job satisfaction coming up in series two of Optometry Talks. And thank you for listening. And don't forget to take good care, good care of your mental health. This episode of Optometry Talks was brought to you compliments of Optometry New South Wales ACT. 